All right, so tonight we are in week eight of our journey through First Peter. And uh, just as you know, you can start uh, turning there uh, in your Bibles or, or going there on your, your phones to 1 Peter chapter 5. One of the things that's just been so exciting through the series is what we have seen and heard from you guys over the last few weeks. That God has been doing so much in your lives and the stories and the testimonies that we have been hearing have filled us with just so much joy. It's just week after week, uh, you guys and Riversiders have just been uh, just responding to some heavy preaching and some heavy words from the Lord, but in faith, just uh, stepping out and trusting God for what He has been saying to us. And we've really, really just been filled with joy uh, through the last few weeks. And as we're coming to the back end of First Peter, we're still trusting that God is going to continue to lead us and speak to us and, and challenge us, and that we're going to step out in even greater faith in what He has been saying to us. And as I'm saying, we're just trusting for even more of that tonight as we get into his word. And tonight it's important that we hold the context of First Peter firmly in our minds with the passage that we're going to be going through. And just a very quick reminder of that context. We know that this is a church that is in trouble. Uh, in trouble because of the persecution that has come against them. Uh, we know that this is a church that is experiencing extreme suffering for the name of Jesus. Uh, the suffering that they're experiencing is death. Uh, Christians are being killed regularly for the name of Jesus. And I was wondering, you know, Peter, who is writing this letter of encouragement uh, to these churches that are kind of scattered throughout Western Turkey, I wonder what angst was in his heart, the weight of each word that he wrote, knowing what this church was going through. I wonder what it must have meant for them, or for him rather, as he was writing these words, and for the leaders of all these churches. I can't imagine what was happening for them as they were witnessing people that they led to the Lord ending up dying for the name of Jesus. Must have been a very trying time. Sorry guys, I'm going to get the sound right in a bit, so I apologize for, for that. It must have been a really tough time for the leadership of the church and for Peter as he's writing and encouraging them in this really difficult time. So with that context in mind, Read with me 1 Peter chapter 5, and we're going to read the first four verses. And Peter writes this, To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings, and one who will also share in the glory revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. So again, it seems odd. You know, we've been through some very heavy weeks, uh, really chewing through some uh, heavy things like suffering and authority and slavery. And there's been some weighty things that we've been going through over the last few weeks, just heavy, heavy sermons. And now all of a sudden, one on, on biblical leadership. 
And that might seem odd, and I don't want you to dial out just because we're going to be preaching on, on biblical leadership tonight. But remember, this is a letter of encouragement, and the whole thing is an encouragement to believers. And, and you're going to miss out tonight if you immediately go, this isn't for me because it's speaking about biblical leadership. And also just one quick side note is this is why we preach through whole books of the Bible. Because uh, when we do that, we get to uh, topics like this. And it gives us an opportunity to speak into something like the value of biblical leadership and the value of eldership. But also, let's not kid ourselves. Uh, every single one of us, I'm sure, is rather suspicious of leadership. And let's play a quick game quickly. Uh, name five bad leaders as quickly as you can. Actually, don't, because this is being recorded. And uh, we now have a podcast. And so you can actually, if you have podcasts uh, as an app on your phone, you can find Riverside Community Church and subscribe to your podcast or that podcast, and you'll get the sermon straight to your phone every week. But let's not do uh, that, that game. But rather, just show of hands, how many of you have served under bad leadership? Right. Pretty much all of us here have had bad leadership. I remember my first job, again, because this is now a podcast and it's going to be broadcast quite loud, it was just a, a, a chain retail store and we'll leave it at that, was my first job and I worked in uh, the sweet section of the store and my job was to pack and make everything neat. Uh, some products are really complicated to pack because of their design. They're supposed to like mirror each other so that when there's a display, it has this like amazing picture behind it. And my one job was to make this beautiful display at the end of the store. And I had this uh, floor manager uh, that was terrible. Uh, I reckon her sole job and her job description was make my life hell. And often, once I just finished the job that I was given, I'd be told, no, move it. To here. And that's literally was my first job. It was just like uh, having this awful, awful floor manager just, just make it a misery. Uh, but we've all experienced that. But even in a church context, I'm hesitant to ask, how many of you have served under bad, bad biblical leadership, bad spiritual leadership? I mean, many of us have uh, experienced the moral failings of a leader or even uh, some of the manipulating effects of a leader within a church context. And I know that that's not great and so we've developed a suspicion with leadership. But even then, uh, you know, because of social media and how many leaders have uh, private Twitter accounts and, and Facebook accounts that you can, uh, with the right hashtag, you can go straight to the source of some of your dissatisfaction. And you can follow some of the Twitter wars uh, that are going on with politicians and, and you can even go straight to ward councillors or products or brands and you can really just let people know uh, the dissatisfaction that you have with leadership. And, and because of the kind of culture that we're in, uh, we really battle uh, with leadership in general. But just because there's bad leadership doesn't mean that we need to reject all leadership. And so with that in mind, let's actually really get into what Peter is saying and what he is speaking to with this whole thing of eldership. And also just as we, we're building the foundation for tonight, something that is quite popular and, and is growing more and more and more uh, in, in common language is this idea that uh, church is myself with four of my friends at my favorite coffee shop. We get together, we order our coffee, we talk about our verse for the day, uh, and maybe it's a little bit deeper than that, uh, but that's what we would call church. And... I really believe that that is a good thing to be doing 
And I really encourage more and more people to be spending time uh, as friends, digging into God's word and applying it uh, to uh, your lives and to each other's lives. But I don't think that's uh, what we would call church. We'd say that's an expression of church. A good question to ask ourselves is what is a biblical church? And we don't have time to go into every aspect of a biblical church, but if you have a look at a couple of verses, uh, just building in with what Peter is saying, Titus uh, 1 verse 5, uh, the reason I left you in Crete, this is Paul writing to a young leader, was that you may straighten out what was left and finish and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. So again, just his job. Uh, they had planted churches, they had won many believers to the Lord, but as he needed to move on, the unfinished work was elders in every town. The next verse, please, coming out Acts 14. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church. And so at least one uh, thing that we can say for certain around a biblical church is that God appoints and, and has elders that are leading in the local church context. Uh, one of the big jobs that Paul did as a missionary going around establishing churches was uh, the work was not finished unless there were elders in place in those churches. And so eldership, biblical leadership in a local church is of critical importance and we see the biblical value of that. But then what are elders supposed to do? If a biblical church is one that has elders, what is the job of an elder? If you have your Bible still open, verse 2 talks about be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. So one of the first things we see, the role of an elder is to shepherd. And we need to just bust some myths here because depending on your church experience, as soon as you hear the word shepherd, maybe the word pastor comes to mind in your translation uh, you think of a couple of things. And if you've been from a traditional church background, you're thinking of uh, that old person that has tea with the ladies in the church and does everything. I remember one experience, and I had to bust this myth with some young guys in my previous church. Uh, this one guy had just had a fight with his girlfriend, and uh, he had broken up with her. But this was 11 o'clock on a Saturday night. And uh, they didn't have my number, so they just drove to the church. And uh, it just happened to be that I was stewing over a passage for that Sunday's message, and I wasn't happy with some things, so I was actually still in my office at 11 o'clock on a Saturday night. And uh, they arrived, and they were like, oh, we knew we'd find you here, because you're the pastor, and you know, we knew like you live here somewhere, we've never seen where you live, but uh, we just knew that we would uh, uh, just come here, because we couldn't call you, and we, so anyway, I sat with these guys for a few hours, and it was great, but you know, that's the one image of this pastor, is that always at the church, does everything, this lovely old person that's just so friendly, and maybe that's a, a wrong idea of, of shepherd, so I kind of cross that one out. And if that's one end of the spectrum that we don't enjoy, or it's kind of like a myth or wrong impression of pastor, the other end is this kind of slick CEO. You know, this guy who uh, runs the church for a profit and is quite happy with a, a flush bank account and, and gets these like perfect systems in place and that it's all business related. And those would be kind of two extremes that we reject in terms of what it means to be a shepherd. But then what does a shepherd do? And again, let's just kind of think logically about this, but we don't have... Uh, you know, back in the day, this uh, kind of farming nomadic community where the shepherd uh, just guarded and took care of his sheep. He would kind of be the front line to protect uh, his sheep. You know, we think lamb is delicious and lots of things like to eat lamb. 
And so the shepherd protects his sheep. A shepherd feeds his sheep, leads them, guides them, finds the best uh, grazing and, and the best fields for the sheep uh, to graze on. Because again, you, you know, as much as we like to eat lamb, but really well-fed lamb is even better. You know, and we, we think of what that shepherd does in, in guiding, leading, protecting, and uh, disciplining because sheep can wander. And uh, my grandfather was a sheep farmer. And I remember often as a young guy visiting, there was sometimes we had to go out and find some sheep that didn't make it back because they had wandered off. Uh, sheep actually do that. And as you're thinking about this whole thing about the shepherd and feeding and caring for sheep, again, just the, the context of who is writing this letter is Peter. And remember what happened with Peter and Jesus. Right at the end uh, of Jesus' life, Jesus uh, says to Peter, you're going to uh, disown me publicly. And we know in the story that Peter did. He publicly disowned Jesus three times. But Jesus restores Peter uh, in their relationship. But how does he restore Peter? He uses the words, Peter, I want you to feed my sheep. Uh, Peter, feed my lambs. Peter, feed my sheep. And as Peter is writing these words and understanding of what it means to be a shepherd and, and to care for uh, the flock, the people of God, I wonder if he was remembering those words to Jesus, that this is my job for you as an elder, as someone who's going to lead my church. Your job is to feed my sheep. And this is one of the primary roles of a shepherd is to feed the sheep. Another few passages for us just as we build up on this is uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4. This is Paul charging a young pastor, Timothy. They reckon he was maybe about 16 years old, but the pastor of the church in Ephesus. Verse 2, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Now, I love being a dad. And uh, it's a great source of joy in my life, but also a great source of sermon illustrations. (laughs) I mean, sometimes, you know, we need great patience when I'm trying to teach my kids uh, certain things. Uh, sometimes it's a joy and they pick it up, but sometimes we just have this absolute fight. Um, I'm quite excited. Aaron loves cricket. And uh, by the time he makes it into the big leagues, because he is convinced already that he is going to play for South Africa, he's told me that a few times uh, of late. But I, uh, I actually used to coach cricket and I was a batting coach. And I'm quite a stickler for technique. But man, I cannot teach my son any decent technique. And so if he does do it, he's going to be revolutionary in this. And I'm needing great patience to be teaching him uh, these things. But one of the main jobs of an elder... My responsibility, what I'm held accountable before the Lord, is to encourage, to teach, to preach you guys the word of God. goes on, uh, verse 3 and 4 of, of 2 Timothy. It says, For a time will come when men will not want to put up a sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Verse 4, they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. This is really difficult. And again, uh, my kids are wonderful. 
with helping understand this. Uh, we had a situation this past week with Edith, and um, I'm a good cook. Uh, I really do think I cook good food, and I'd made a chicken pie for supper, and uh, it was on Thursday, and Thursdays are pudding nights uh, in our family, and uh, our kids have to finish their food or at least eat the bulk of their food to get to the pudding. But uh, Edith, uh, anyway, we ask her, hey, what do you want for supper? And she usually just like shouts out sweets. On, on this uh, particular night, uh, it was quite painful. We were about an hour into supper. Everyone had finished eating, but Edith had still hardly touched her food, kind of like putting just an empty spoon into her mouth, trying to convince us that we're eating. Everyone had enjoyed it. Uh, she's not eating her food. She's not like touching it. Anyway, ice cream comes out onto the counter, and that just kind of like forced her will a little bit more, and she kind of uh, swallowed down just enough food over an hour just to get the pudding. But once the ice cream got into her bowl, she was the first one finished. That thing disappeared like it was amazing just how she devoured surprised she didn't get brain free she ate that ice cream so fast but this is what happens with us is that you know as what Paul is, is writing to Timothy if we could choose what we would eat every night for supper if it was up to us I, I'm sure a number of us wouldn't choose the most healthiest diet We'll be eating the things that we love to eat, which is ice cream, which is nice comfort food, but not the, the healthiest food. You know, my kids would always choose ice cream over broccoli and green peppers and, and things like that. Just really delicious, nutritious things. And this is what can happen with us in the church. And I know that I have not been popular with a number of uh, you guys because I've felt that some of the things that we've been listening to or, or following have not been helpful. And I've had hard conversations where I've spoken into that situation and said, I don't think you should be listening to this or I don't think you should be reading this because of you know, what this actually means and uh, et cetera, et cetera. And it's been hard and I've been unpopular. And you know, Steve and I have the, the unenviable job of actually preaching some hard things because it would be easy just to preach things that we want to hear, things that make us feel good, that we kind of walk out here kind of puffed up and, and happy with ourselves and we feel good um, about our lives. But then we'd be doing an injustice to every single one of you if we didn't preach all of God's word. That we give you ice cream and broccoli and green peppers and even Brussels sprouts uh, sometimes. For me, it's asparagus. That stuff just can't go down my throat. We get the job and the joy of preaching God's word to you. The primary, one of the primary roles of us as elders is to preach God's word to you. And just continuing on that, Acts 20, 28. This is Paul's final kind of words to the Ephesian elders. And he says, keep watch over yourselves and all of the flock to which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. Paul is so aware of what is at stake with the local church. So aware that people distort the truth, uh, that the enemy prowls around even amongst us uh, to take away people uh, from the truth, distort the truth, lead people away. And, you know, again, sometimes we've been accused of being judgmental, uh, unloving. And even, I mean, you can go to a Christian bookstore and you can buy books written by wolves. 
Uh, you can buy books uh, that actually have distorted the truth where guys are just trying to gain followers for themselves. And just to say, something as elders in this church that we will step into is if we find that people are distorting the truth and teaching things that are untrue. And of course, there are open-handed things which believers can believe and we can hold to and we can still love each other and be friends and that's okay uh, with what we call open-handed issues. But closed-handed issues, uh, undeniable truths about God, we will never compromise on those things. And it's our responsibility before God to guide God and govern uh, this local church and to make sure everyone is believing the truth and that that truth is not being distorted. So even part of this is just thinking, like, why, why did you come to church tonight? And a lot of times people will say, well, you know, I'm a Christian, so I, I go to church. That's, I mean, why would I not go to church? Sometimes they'll say, well, I went to church to hear a sermon. And maybe a, a better a place to be in your heart is, well, I'm going tonight to be fed. Tonight I'm going to be taught the word of God so that I can be equipped, that I can be better prepared, that I can have greater readiness for the gospel, that uh, I can uh, be equipped to live boldly. It's been a big part of what we've been speaking over the last few weeks. The way I'm able to be encouraged and prepared to live boldly is if I'm in the space to be taught and to be fed the word of God so that I'm able to uh, just give a defense for my faith, to be able to answer the questions people uh, have, uh, that I'm able to make right decisions with my lives and to be able to stand up against temptation and the things that are coming against me in this world. One well, of the big importances of just having the word of God taught us and the kind of heart that goes with that. Now, just a few more thoughts on eldership is the qualification for eldership is character. Hebrews 13, verse 7. If you want to write that down, this one's not going to come up onto the screen, unfortunately. Hebrews 13, verse 7 says, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. The characteristics of eldership is, is character. When Paul writes to Timothy, he lists about 14 uh, characteristics that speak into the character of an elder. And that's what qualifies people to be eldership is their character. And what I love about that so much is because all of it is achievable. That uh, who we are is nothing special and we, we've not got these uh, high positions to, as Peter encourages for us to lord it over you guys, but that we live our lives in such a way that you have something to imitate and something to follow. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. The whole uh, framework of an elder is a, a life of character and, and transformation in the Lord, that there's something to, to look at, to imitate, to follow, that you can go, yes, I can achieve that. Yes, uh, I see how to live a life of faith, and I, I want that for my life. This is a, a hard verse to kind of swallow, so just be prepared for this next verse uh, Hebrews 13, verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that will be of no advantage to you. Just so you guys know that I stand accountable before the Lord for you guys. 
And uh, there's kind of this uh, uh, great relationship here that uh, if, and I know this is a hard word for people to kind of wrap their heads around, is, as, as a congregation and as, as Riverside Community Church submitting to eldership, it's to your advantage and it's to our advantage. And there's, as Steve mentioned this morning, it's just this win-win relationship that as we just uh, hear from the Lord, as we live lives of character, as we seek Him and, and, and live lives worthy of, of imitating and just uh, being what we're supposed to be for you and there's this joy for you and it's not a burden for us and it's just this incredible relationship uh, that God has put in place with qualified elders. Okay, but what has this got to do with all of us tonight? Think of the context of First Peter and the role that leadership must have played in encouraging and strengthening the church and keeping them on mission in really trying times. And I think the, the quality of that leadership would have been such a benefit to the kingdom. My job as an elder is to teach God's words, to feed you guys so that you are, that we all are, better equipped and more prepared for the mission that God has called us onto. You know, we speak so much about our land next door. And of course, we're just so excited about what God is doing there and what we're trusting him there for. And, and what we often talk about is that is nowhere near the goal. That is like phase one, even if we can call it phase one, for we're trusting God for, for the whole of the south of Joburg. Our, our vision, what we're trusting God for, is so much beyond uh, the piece of land next door. And what we are so passionate about as elders is preparing God's people, preparing you guys for what God has uh, prepared for you to do here in the south of Joburg. That we're so aware of the mission that we're on. And what we're trusting for is that more and more people would say, yes, we understand the role and the importance of biblical leadership. And we want to be more equipped. We want to be better equipped so that as a church we can be more and more effective. That we can reach more and more people for the gospel. Steve and I cannot do it. In fact, all the churches combined in the south of Joburg, leadership cannot do it. That we're needing more people to take the next step in their own life, in their own faith, and to say, you know what? I'm going to be better equipped. I'm going to take uh, more responsibility for my own faith, for my own life. I'm going to grow in my leadership. I'm going to grow in my faith. I'm going to equip myself more so that I can be more effective, that God can use me more and more and more so that more people can hear the gospel, more people can be discipled, more people uh, can be uh, equipped and then again just multiplied out for the kingdom. We're not about building this big church for our own fame. I can tell you now that is not even uh, near our desire. Our sole desire as leadership in this church is to see every single person know Christ more. I'm actually quite emotional about this. And so often we talk about our desire for every single person in this church to have such a deep, profound knowledge of Jesus and that their lives are lived out in that, that they just grasp the magnitude and the depth of the grace upon their lives. And that's how they live every single day. I mean, Sundays are obviously so important to us. But what we live for is for uh, everyone in Riverside to be as concerned about uh, the other six days of the week. 
when they're in the world and being for the world and living their lives for Jesus. As you know, uh, there were four elders um, at Riverside, myself and Steve, who had the joy of being full-time elders, and then we had two what we call marketplace elders, uh, equally serving as elders, but just not full-time at the church. They had jobs in the marketplace, and they've been serving for about six and seven years, Emlyn and Colin, and uh, they recently stepped down uh, from eldership, just sensing uh, that it was their time to hand over the baton to some new people to serve uh, in this local church, and just uh, sensing God just uh, giving them and putting them into something new and a new season of their lives. And so Steve and I have embarked on a process uh, probably through to October as we are just uh, going to be raising up uh, some people to eldership in the church. And we just want to encourage you guys to please pray for us. Uh, Because as we've been preaching, you see the weight of eldership in the local church and the importance of qualified biblical leadership to equip the church for the mission that God has called them to. And that's something that uh, we are taking very, very seriously and are currently engaged in. But tonight, I want to put this to you, is what is the next step for you in light of the role of biblical leadership? When you understand the role of it and the importance of it and the effect of it, what is your next step? It could be as simple as this. You come to church twice a month. Maybe it's just the next step of going, I'm actually going to make this my priority because I understand the needs to be fed and equipped for the mission. So I'm going to make my next step, making coming very regularly, actually coming to this a priority. It could be your next step is going, okay, well, I come fairly regularly to this, but my next step is moving into relational community, which happens midweek in a small group context. You're going to go, I'm going to make myself vulnerable. I'm going to journey um, with people in a more intimate setting where my heart gets revealed and they're going to sharpen me and and I'm going to uh, journey in community. Maybe it's going to be, okay, well, I've been doing that for a while. I'm going to take the faith step and I'm actually going to make myself available to host and lead a small group. That I'm going to take what God has already done in me and I'm going to make that available for people and I'm going to be willing to to shepherd a small group of people in a small group context. Maybe you've never joined a setup team or serving team. Maybe that's the step of faith you take. I mean, we don't take for granted the setup teams in Riverside because when we have people setting up, it just means that people have a place to come to where they can hear the gospel. If we didn't have setup teams, we pretty much have, have nothing. And it makes it possible for people to come and find a place and, and hear the word of God, God being preached in a place where they get equipped. If you've never signed up for a setup team and you're not serving in that way, maybe that's your step of faith. Maybe your step of faith is going, okay, I've been doing that. I'm actually available to lead. Is there uh, gaps where uh, I can actually step up and I'm, I'm willing to lead people and grow in that? Maybe your step of faith is going, well, I actually don't read in the week. I don't uh, spend time in God's word. Uh, I'm, I'm not reading much of the Bible. I'm not, not studying God's word. Maybe that's your step of faith and the next step that you take. Maybe it's uh, getting some good books. Maybe it's reading a book on theology. Uh, th- there are a number of steps that you can take. But what we're trusting for is that more and more of you would realize the value of biblical leadership and that you're going to go, okay, God, for the mission, for your kingdom, for the people that are not yet saved in the south of Joburg, 
for the people in my street, for the people in my office, even for the people in my own family who do not yet believe. I'm going to take a step of faith to grow in my leadership, in my understanding, my ability to share my faith, just to be more equipped for you. And guys, with that in mind, we're going to end tonight with communion. But here's this verse from John 10. Just thinking about uh, sheep, uh, the flock. This is what Jesus said. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The reason that we are here tonight is because we've come to faith in Jesus. And so much so that he laid down his life for us, his body broken for us, his blood poured out for us for the forgiveness of our sins so that we can have this relationship with him. As you are celebrating that and you're remembering your salvation, I want you to pray a prayer of faith. To say, God, I want to be used more for you. Because when we're doing that and when we are availing ourselves to him, again, I'm gonna say this again, it impacts people's eternity. There are so many people in the south of Joburg who do not know Jesus. And our ability to lead into that and to increase capacity of this local church and to multiply ourselves out through leadership is just going to have a gospel effect on the south of Joburg. And so while you're remembering what uh, the good shepherd did for you and laying down your life, as you're remembering that, say, God, I'm, I'm willing. And ask him for what the next step is. And then to act in that obedience. Father God, I'm so thankful for the example that you have given us. Jesus, you laid down your life for us as the shepherd. You died for us. That was the extent that you went to for us. Well, God, thank you that you saved me and that you have enabled me to have this role in your local church. Just your grace upon my life is incredible. Lord God, for every single one of us tonight, as we go before your table, as we remember your death for us, your body broken, your blood poured out for us, Lord God, I pray that you would remind us of that salvation that we have in you. Lord God, that you would just put some faith into us we just become aware of how many people are not yet in a relationship with you. People that we know. Well, God, I pray that you would impress that weight upon us. And that Jesus, that you would then speak to us about what the next step is that we can take. Just a step of faith and saying, I'm willing to, Lord, to be used more by you. I want to be more equipped. I want to lead. I want to exercise leadership. I want to take a step of faith to be used by you, God. In your holy name, amen. And this is also something that we did this morning, and maybe uh, this is where you're at. Maybe you have been really hurt by church leadership in the past. And if that is a space that you're in, I also encourage you to use this time uh, before the Lord. Maybe uh, just repenting uh, of some attitudes that you've had towards uh, church leadership. Uh, Maybe you have been hurt really badly in the past and there's a lot of unforgiveness in your life. Uh, I'll actually encourage that uh, myself and Steve are here. We'd love to pray for you. Um, If there's a lot of hurt that you just uh, love some ministry with that, we'd love to actually come in and pray for you. Uh, Some music's going to be playing and I encourage you to come to the two tables at the front and, and spend the next few minutes reflecting and praying.